Jason, could you also please timestamp on here so we can go back when the gremlin just tried to escape from David? There it is, gremlin. <laughs> I have a whole folder of David Little sounds. Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Greetings and salutations, Mr. Rice. Wonderful to be here with you and also with producer Jason, who is with us. Jason, how are you, sir? I am fantastic, fellas. You were just at the Steep Water Band show. Let's start off by talking about that a little bit. How was that? Yeah, last night I had the pleasure of got my shirt on, rocking the Steep Water. Love those guys. Great show. Uh, you know, the Joes, they do a great job of putting down a groove. Eric and Jeff, I think, are highly underrated as guitarists, the way that they can play every bit, lap steel, slide. They interplay with each other, vocal harmonies. Uh, just an outstanding band. It was great to hang out with those guys, uh, get to know them. They had family in town, so got to meet some of their family. Uh, just a great time. Uh, for those listening, not familiar with the Steepwater Band, uh, you need to change that quickly. Uh, check out their last two records, Turn of the Wheel, Return of the Wheel. Uh, they also have a record called Grace and Melody, which is produced by Mark Ford. Speaking of Mark Ford, they are going to at least have one show again together in May in uh, Massachusetts. So everyone in the Northeast, go out there and see Ford play with Steepwater Band. You can hear my voice is still not quite caught back up. There's like three shows in the Northeast that I can foreseeably go to, uh, you know, like they're, uh, you know, with a a reasonable traveling distance. So there's one in uh, a venue in New York City called the Iridium. It's a fairly newer venue, but he's played there before. You know, it's a, a little bit of a smaller venue, a little more intimate, and that's that's nice there. And then he's also going to be at uh, Daryl's house, which should be a cool show there, too, in addition to the one in Massachusetts. So uh, I might be uh, doing a little mini Mark Ford tour. Is the spring. one in Massachusetts, is that the Jim Galvin show? Yes, the annual thing he does with Jim Galvin, the charity event. And uh, we'll have some more info on that as it gets closer. We but, always uh, wind up with some posters from that to give away. We do. And... uh you know, Jim's always very gracious with that, and we like to support his his annual event because he's a good guy and it's for a good cause. But speaking of cool events coming up, David, why don't you run down the next in the series of Cult Fest gigs? Yes, so March the twenty third, Albany, Georgia, we're having Cult Fest three It's going to be at David Hall's house. He's one of our patrons, and uh, it's going to be fun. I think every one of these is going to be different. So that way, if you've been to one. Uh, you can come back and it won't be a repeat. 
we have a lot of repeats coming. Sean Hillman, Trent Johnson, Michael Jones. Uh, we got some new people coming. Jason Donsis. Um, There's a couple more maybes. And then uh, David Hall has some people coming. Anyway, <clears throat> if you're interested in coming, let me know and I'll put you on the list. It's going to be in Albany, Georgia, March the 23rd. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Johnny really enjoys these. Uh, he says he enjoys them more than we do. So uh, I don't know if that's possible, but it's um, it's a very unique experience. And each one is different and unique to when you're there. And a lot of it is uh, on the fly. And some of it's planned, but he makes sure everybody has a good time. He puts a lot of time and effort to this. It's just isn't something he shows up for. So if you're interested in in being there, drop me a line either on Twitter, email stateofamork at gmail.com or Instagram or Facebook. Or if you're on Patreon, let me know and we'll get it uh, set up. But I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for the new people that get to experience it the first time and meet some new people that I haven't met before. So it's going to be fun. David Hall, he's already told me his plans. He's going all out on this. So we're going to go without nothing at his house. Yeah, I'm even going to try to make it down there uh, more so to hang with David Hall and uh, everybody else and, of course, Jason. But, you know, David made me uh, an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, so, you know, he told me we would uh, head to toe it. So, you know, I mean, I I can't turn that down. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. If that sounds like it's going to be a real good one, David is definitely going to put on a uh, uh, roll out the welcome wagon, as they say. Be Southern like. hospitality at its best. That's right. That's right. But similar to to those events, now that the tour is kicking in soon, you know, I'm sure we're going to have some uh, State of Morgan themed meetups along the way. I know uh, I'm going to try to put something together for the uh, New York crowd when I hit Radio City. And uh, you're going to the tour opener, isn't that right, David? I am. I am. We're going to have a meetup. As of right now, it's going to be at a place called Scoreboard. It's. I've been there before. It's just kind of a is it a sports bar? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's probably a mile from the venue. We may move it to a place closer, but the place that I've thought about it going closer is it's just so busy that I don't think we would be able to really hang out. So I'm hoping to have some swag to give away. Don't know the time yet. Obviously, we probably all want to get there when the doors open since it's opening night and, and take everything in. So um, I've already had a couple of people tell me they're coming. So hit me up in any of the other ways that, that you can contact me. Let me know if you want to go. Certainly like to meet everybody. It's going to be fun. Tour opener. Obviously, the set list is going to be something that's going to be scrutinized. I know Chris said in an interview, it's going to be deeper tracks, cooler covers, and then all the songs you want to hear. So I'm really interested in seeing that. It's a headline show. They don't have an opener so far listed. So I got to think if it's an opener, we're going to get a two-hour show. I would think Grand Ole Opry, never been there. Looks like it'll be pretty cool. So if you want to go, just message me and we will meet up. And Jason, you're putting something together too, aren't you? Yeah, we are uh, headed to Chicago, Aragon Ballroom. Um, already got a, a bunch of dudes from the Patreon uh, going. Grant uh, will be there and Justin Kahn and uh, Sean Hillman is the tour guide. So he's putting together a package. There's also a bonus opportunity uh, because it's in the spring there, April 19th, the Cubs are playing at home that weekend also. So we may be doing a twofer with the Crows show one night and then going to the Cubs game the next day. So uh, we're going to try to make it kind of a, an exciting event. Um, Aragon Ballroom is nice because it's entirely general admission. So if you don't have tickets yet, you can scoop them up and uh, 
we'll all hang on the rail and watch uh, Jason dance. It's something yeah, else. <laughs> I can't not do it. <laughs> hey, he's been known to pay a bar tab or two. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, that happens too. I like that. Like crows and cubs, man. That's a cool little, uh, one. We have a state of America baseball Jersey. We yeah, should it would not to sell it just to give it away to people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we will have more specifics on where we we will likely meet up, uh, south of, of the ballroom there, uh, in a place where we can easily get on the L and, and head up and back from there. So, uh, once we get that nailed down, uh, we'll, uh, we'll post it out and hopefully we get a, a real big crowd to go out and, uh, hang out in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, of course, a lot of the folks from the Patreon will be there and, uh, you know, hopefully some other folks outside the Patreon as well. We do appreciate all listeners of any level. And uh, speaking of the Patreon, if you guys ever want to do head over there, check it out. There is a free tier now, so you can kind of see what's going on, feel it out. And uh, that can be found at patreon.com slash state of America. Yeah, we have record number of people subscribed now, and we don't lose a lot of people. I think that's because we, I don't think anybody does a better Patreon than us. I don't think I'm bragging. I think it's just fact. We give away so much stuff. We have so much bonus content, and it's a community where we're all gotten to know each other. Pretty much everybody that you ask about it will tell you they got their money's worth. So we uh, got a lot of cool stuff to give away. Going to have a an exclusive signed Southern Harmony box set. I'll take care of that March 23rd. So that should tell you who's going to sign it. And then um, I've been giving away just at random. We're not going to sell these, but random State of America hoodies that the people have gotten them have really liked. We've given away some different T-shirts. And uh, let's see, Ian's giving away records and some great gift packs. I sent a Lost Crows CD out, my personal copy of it. I don't have anything to listen to a CD with anymore, so might as well give it to somebody that wants to. Ian acquired Boa's Instant Live collection, and we're giving those away, which is really cool. Not only are you getting great music, you're getting something that that Boa had and, and he appreciated and We've got bonus content. I just recorded a um, Grunge Goes Acoustic episode. I'm doing a five songs that possibly get people into Radiohead episode. Ian just did a Crosby, Stills, and Nash one that's getting rave reviews. Jason Donches and, Do- and Johannes did a Candlebox one. We've had Zoom hangs, giveaways. Uh, we've got more stuff coming up. So um, join it. I think you'll you'll like it, and the, the more the merrier, and a lot of the money that we get, we give away back in um, prizes and, and giveaways and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and speaking of those, the BOA collection that I acquired before, I mean, I've sent uh, some of them out, but before I really open the doors on that one, I've been transferring everything digitally so we can you know, share links to digital files with everybody. And then I kind of went a little bit beyond that and uh, tapped the shoulder of a few folks I know, and we're going to put together kind of a state of america collective shared folder that you can have access to through the patreon the link to and everything and that way we can just uh share some shows and have like a community place to uh store them and spread them around very cool you've already given away a decent amount of those and you give like you did a rich robinson gift pack coincide with our rich robinson episode let's see here what else have i given away given away some vinyl we've been doing for the 100th episode i did a few things for that and there's more coming up with that and actually uh to coincide with uh, this episode we're gonna be doing a little giveaway which i will reveal a little bit later once we get underway with things thank you to everybody for the response to the 
100th episode. I thought it turned out great. I thought Jason kind of getting us to tell some behind the scenes stories was really funny. If you're on Patreon, you could see one of the most awkward moments I've ever seen with Ian trying to introduce the Amorkins in uh, Atlanta. That was hysterical and funny. Everybody loved that. And just wait till your birthday, Ian. I've got something. I've got something for social media. But anyway, thank you all so much. We got so many like messages and uh, it really meant a lot to us. Charlie Starr was a great friend of the podcast. Great guy. Dokes sign up for their new album, which comes out in February. But thank you, everybody, for the well wishes. I thought it was a great episode. We got a lot more to go. We're just getting started. Speaking of the new uh, Blackberry Smoke record, we actually did pre-order a couple of those to give away, too. Speaking of giveaways. So uh, we'll look forward to that, and we'll figure that out when the time comes. Uh, we should also mention... Uh, because we are right on the heels of getting started with this. And I'm going to let Jason uh, take the reins on this one. The venture into the new and revamped R4 podcast. Yeah, and that's a, a good tie-in actually to this Deepwater Band because those guys being a friend of the show let us use one of their tracks as the theme music. We're putting together kind of just a, a little bit different format but also honoring the original format that that Aaron has put together and has been successful at. So uh, if you're not listening to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews now, pull them up, give them a follow, uh, check out all the old stuff. All the old episodes will stay there. So all of Aaron's work over the years and and uh, getting to know a lot of the community that he's built with Lou and, and Prof, who's part of our community as well, and, and all those guys, will all their stuff will still be there. So it's preserved, and then we'll take... The rain's basically about March, and we're going to keep going. Uh, one thing that is pretty universal in a Black Crows community, uh, fans of that band, is is whether it's through the Black Crows or through bands that have opened for them, covers they've done, sit-ins, whatever it may be, we all love just all types of music. And so this will be the, the format that we'll use to talk about those records. We... Look forward to releasing uh, the Jar of Flies, Alice in Chains review to coincide with their 30-year anniversary. This week, we're actually recording, speaking of Blackberry Smoke, we're recording a Blackberry Smoke uh, review to kind of coincide with the release of their record. So really excited to sit down and talk tunes. And, and we've got a lot of pretty sweet guests already. Um, some guys from other podcasts that uh, also enjoy this sort of stuff, they're going to come on and talk about some of the records that they really love. And so not only will that continue to build the legacy of our four, but also uh, just expose the listeners to other really cool podcasts and guys that we've built relationships over the year through this community. So don't judge us out of the gate. It takes a while for us to, to figure it out, but we look forward to talking music, all types of rock music. And and go follow our four on their socials. That's why we'll give out information about it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I've, hosted the jar flies episode i thought it turned out really good it was me and jason and sean hillman it was really good that's a amazing i'm gonna call it an album i'm not gonna call it an ep that's meant a lot to everybody that was on that podcast so we're really looking forward to that tip of the hat to aaron martell for uh, letting us take it over his final 300th episode will be coming out probably this week and it's on purple rain and he's doing it by himself so that's going to be very very special Absolutely. And, uh, you know, all three of us are very proud to be taking that over, so to speak, and, and keeping Aaron's legacy alive. That's really the whole point of everything, because he's uh, developed quite a brand and, and quite a following there. And and uh, it means a lot to a lot of people. And we want to keep that going. 
So let's get to the topic at hand, fellas. evening as it is the 25th anniversary of the release of by your side we thought we'd take the opportunity to uh, revisit the record a little bit and then come up with a retracking as it were uh because often debated topic with by your side is that a lot of the b-sides perhaps would have been better have been on the proper release yeah and it's going to be an interesting ride because one of the things that the black crows are known for is not only that the songs that actually get released on their records, but more importantly, the songs that don't get released on their records. And this really started early in the nineties, basically when they were uh, recording uh, Southern harmony. And there's a, there's a whole group of songs that got left out of there that we have still yet to, to get our hands on uh, officially, but this record and this time frame is one of the most prolific eras in terms of the songs that they came up with that uh sort of got abandoned and some of them got revamped into other songs by rich robinson for example some got revamped into different versions of those same songs later if you uh are on our patreon speaking of it uh we'll have a bonus episode on there where we kind of dig into some of the more obscure stuff uh that was left off the record but for the sake of today what we want to do is go through this this song list and take everything that was officially released and see if we can't retrack by your side to to put it in a place where it might have got a little more Crows fans' attention. There are some pretty obvious ones that we'll need to talk about on both sides of that coin, what needs to go and what needs to come. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, just everybody knows the By Your Side record is a, uh, a somewhat of a divisive point. Much maligned. Yes, because, I mean, let's face it, the band did a 180, um, and an unexpected 180. You know, uh, Mark Ford had left the band, Johnny Colt had left the band at that point, and they kind of, instead of continuing on the trajectory that they were on, kind of turned things around and went almost, hey, let's recapture the spirit of the Shaky Moneymaker kind of vibe, a little more straight-ahead rock and roll. And uh, they had signed a deal with Columbia Records, and they had Kevin Shirley, who's known for you know big production values, come in and and do the record. And uh, you know, some people loved it, some people hated it, and some people kind of in the middle. I worked in a record store at the time. By Your Side came out, so I remember getting promos for it. Uh, actually, the promo I got for it didn't have Diamond Ring on it. It was it was just prior to the moment where they decided to hold the record back and uh, add Diamond Ring to the proceedings. But uh, so I kind of have an attachment to this record because I spent a lot of time with it and uh, I do enjoy it. You know, I, I never really got the hate, hate for it. I don't I mean, I understand why some people were kind of confused by it or maybe didn't like that 
path they went down but i mean it's it was a good record by and large but uh we're here to make it a little better it was such a left turn stylistically and production wise it they don't have another album that sounds like that Mm -mm. i we if we could get chris and rich to be honest about this i wonder if they would say we would like to redo the mixing on it and the production on it and take away some of that big drum sound and they're some of his riffs are great. He's got some amazing riffs on here, but it just sounds so produced. And I think take away the stylistic departure on it. If you're a longtime fan, you listen to it, you're like, man, this is polished like a Def Leppard album. We're not used to uh, used to this. So I think those are the two main things that that got people off on the wrong foot. I also always said if this album comes behind Shake Your Money Maker, the next album, it's it's perceived a lot better than what it is. I always thought that the production, yes, I do agree with you. It is, uh, for lack of a better term, overproduced. But I thought the one benefit of the production was that it captured the like the bombast of Steve Gorman's drums. I always thought that was kind of cool. One of the things that we can talk about is uh, when we compare the polished versions that made the record compared to the original versions that were recorded in different sessions. And then you listen to the difference between the the sounds. And you also have an an advantage of some of these songs were recorded in 97 uh, coming off of band. And so you you have Mark Ford on some of these. So when you try to compare a song like the actual title track by your side with its predecessor, which was If It Ever Stops the Raining, the rawness comes through. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like if the record sounded like if it ever stops the raining instead of by your side, it would sound better. It would be a better sounding record. My only problem with that, I love that in the course where it says, if it ever stops raining, but I don't like the, for whatever reason, the phrase, then we could dry our eyes. Doesn't make, uh, not that it doesn't make sense to me. It just, it seems like an incomplete lyric. Yeah. Which I think is why they re- revamped it. But more than just because the core, yeah, I agree with you. The chorus section of By Your Side is is a significant upgrade from If It Ever Stops Raining. It's the sound of the song, the lack of polish, the more in the room sounding rawness that is desirable. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, of course, I always like their sound to be a little bit more in the moment and not as thought out. And, you know, by and large, all their other records are kind of like that, you know. Even the most produced record up to that point, which was Amorica still has that live in the room kind of vibe to it exactly yeah uh but that being said what we want to do today is see if we can't take this thing and uh make it a little bit better so what we're going to do is we're going to go around the horn each of us are going to pick one track that we would take off the record and uh, move that to b-side status then we're going to decide which of the officially released b-sides so we're limiting the scope just a bit uh because like i said there's a lot here you could pick from that were not ever officially released so we're going to stick with those things that were released um just for perspective between the sessions for by your side post band in 97 and into 98 these sessions produced 34 songs that they could choose from to uh to put on this record uh 11 officially were on the by your side record and then there is i think there's seven official b-sides i would need to go back through crow's base which is now up and running thank you brian 
Uh, that's beautiful. So of those officially released B-sides, we're going to pick the tracks that we would slot into those holes we just made by taking those songs out. And then finally, once we have our group of songs, we need to decide and you know, what order would we put them in? Are we just taking one out and slotting a new one in, or do we shuffle a little bit? Uh, so that's kind of the goal. And then at the end, we'll have a brand new version, a 25th anniversary version, if you will, of By Your Side. We'll put a playlist together and uh, let people check it out. All right. So before we jump in, I did a, uh, a couple of weeks back, did a quick uh, Facebook poll, threw it out, not a poll, but I threw it out there just to see what other people's opinions were, told them what we were going to be doing for the episode. And I will say that the track, the two tracks that were most often dropped from the the proceedings were Go Faster and Diamond Ring. Now, not necessarily too big a surprise there, because, you know, universally, those are kind of the two that are always mentioned. Uh, and the two that were most often added were Grows a Rose and You Don't Have to Go. So just just throwing that out there for where the uh, the general public's mind is on this one. So I did a poll on Twitter. What is your favorite by your side, B-side slash unreleased track? 67% Peace Anyway. 15% You Don't Have to Go. Hmm. Those were in, the top in two. a lot of comments on It Must Be Over. Yes, I did not list that one for some reason. And so, um, anyway, shame on me. Bad host. All right. So with that said, then, through the power of random closing my eyes and pointing at the screen... The first person who is going to take a song off is Ian. Well, I mean, I guess I'd have to start at the beginning, and I would definitely swap out uh, Go Faster. And in the opening slot, I don't know if this is going to be considered controversial or not, but I would actually have this record open with Peace anyway. Yeah, so go faster. Well, this is a song that has three different versions with three different titles. Correct. Red wine stains, sad brown eyes, and then you got this. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, I, I think musically, the up tempo, how it kicks in, and Chris, you know, his his kind of vocal count off and the little guitar figure that walks down. I, I think all of that is cool. The drum sound is very good, as we talked about before. It's just the the verse lyrics in particular are just not up to par. I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel like a well thought out deep thing that Chris was used to or what, what we were used to, particularly coming off the Amoricas and the three snakes. And if you had heard a copy of the band, the lyric writing on that song in particular, compared to those pieces of work that came before it, just, it wasn't to standard. Yeah. Musically, it sounds fine. It's great. I, you, we're probably going to say that a couple of times on here particularly red wine stains that one seems very unfinished sad brown eyes was a little bit of an upgrade on it but uh i think that was a good choice mr rice yeah and actually i mean you mentioned uh sad brown eyes to be perfectly honest with you 
that would have been the way I would have went with that song. You would have used Sad Brown Eyes? Yeah, I would have kept that as the chorus. It would have made it a little better. All right, so then you're opening now instead with Peace Anyway. So the B-side version of Peace Anyway, the official one that came out, is that the organ or the piano? Mm -hmm. The B-side version is the piano. The organ is the one that's on the band. So that's a nice opener because it's got that steady build. It starts with Eddie's piano, which is... Anytime you're highlighting Eddie, it's, you can't do wrong with that. And then the study kind of build in and it goes into a very recognizable groove. If you were at the shows when they were touring in 96, they started utilizing that little riff. eventually would be identified that's always one of the things i find fascinating with the crows especially in their jam era is oftentimes you will hear these jams and you'll you can recognize that that's a song that they're working on you can you can recognize that they're trying to to kind of uh, map out what they want to do with the track but the, you don't know what that is until they release the song and then it gets sort of retroactively named that you know so the peace anyway jam was a pretty popular thing to hear a lot of times in front of like morning song or even uh black moon creeping uh as they were touring it and messing with it and then it wasn't until really 97 that you started to to hear the kind of the full idea of the song and then obviously they they put together the the b-side version for this which uh i agree with you ian like for that to open this record would have been absolutely amazing and i think leading off with a little bit more of a positive song because there's this is a happier record to some extent so i think that and i think that should have been in the running for first single all right david it's your turn you get to pick a song to boot off of here and then tell us what you're gonna what you're gonna put there instead i'm gonna correct one of the great injustices in black crows history <laughs> there grows a rose was held off this album to record diamond ring terrible mistake yep. diamond diamond ring off the record there grows a rose in its place
great hook. I love it when Chris sings that part. I know somewhere grows a rose. Obviously, I'm not even about to sing it because it wind up on Patreon like Ian's video did. But this is one of the great no-brainers in the Black Crows catalog. This this would have been a great lead single as well. Matter of fact, I think I'm pretty sure I know what songs are going to wind up on this thing. All three of them could have been lead singles. And so I don't know. There's just something about it I, that the backing vocals are a little higher pitched. It's something we're not really used to. And it's got kind of a looseness to it that I like. So I've always loved this song ever since I got like the bootleg copy of it and uh, just absolutely think it should have been on there. Got actually wind up getting played a few times. And I think Magpie may have played it a time or two as well. But one of the great injustices, one of the great what ifs. So I got to go with their grows a rose. And I believe that if I remember correctly, David, when we were talking to Steve Gorman, he thought that this should have been the lead single of the record as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and it's too bad because there's a lot of things that Diamond Ring brings to the table that I think are are unique. You know, when you're talking about the Crows trying to progress to the next thing, um, all the little guitar licks and in, in, uh, fills that Rich plays over that groove. And, and Diamond Ring, one thing I can definitely say about it is the groove on that song is awesome. And I also remember Steve saying it's one of his favorite songs to play. Nothing wrong with the music. Nothing. Yeah, again, that's the issue. Musically, take all the lyrics out of it, play this thing. There's a lot there that could be very cool. Again, just a very interesting choice of lyrics that are going in here. This is, to me, Diamond Ring is probably the, I don't want to say the worst use of the background singers, because that doesn't sound very nice. But it just isn't the way that have been they, arranged differently. It sounds very much more barbershop cheesy versus the like deep gospel style that we're used to from them. And so that to me always stood out as kind of one of those things that would rub me a little the wrong way is, uh, and I don't want to sing either because I don't want it anywhere, but I think that's, that's going to be a common theme and is a common theme through any discussion about by your side is that, uh, musically it's stronger than it is lyrically. And, uh, it seems to be a lot of the downfall to some of the songs that the reason why people don't like them is, is where they went lyrically. Well, I mean, it's the lyrics are so much different from three snakes. Oh, Three yeah. Snakes a dark record. You know, Diamond Ring, you rework the lyric. When I convinced Chris to do his R&B funk and soul album, this one's on there. All right. I, if he ever comes on, I'm convincing him to do it, Ian. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I've been pushing this for five, almost five years. You yeah, have been. All right. So then it's my turn. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit. That's track six, which is everybody's favorite track on that record called Heavy. Who have you been talking to? Uh, this to me, when we've talked about these three tracks now, this to me is the worst of the lyric absurdness. And again, this is another one where the verse is pretty good. The chorus isn't terrible. It's like that pre-chorus piece. I mean, there's wiggling toes and there's scratching your nose and there's all sorts of just, just weird lyric stuff in there that just doesn't quite work. It's way too goofy. Goodness gracious. Somewhere you just made Steve Gleason so happy. Yeah, (laughs) He brings up that lyric all the time. To replace it, though, I've got a decision to make here. Um, I've kind of, by nature of going last, put myself in a a somewhat awkward position. As the two kind of main popular B-sides that we talked about at the beginning was, uh, you don't have to go and it must be over. One thing I remember when I first started following the Crows and kind of getting into the message boards and hearing about all this rare stuff 
there was a white whale like everybody was trying to find. Uh, these days, people would tell you that that's exit. I mean, if we could get a fully mixed mastered studio exit, that's that's the holy grail, right? But that wasn't the first one, at least that I remember people talking about. The first one was a song called Pastoral. Unfortunately, they, they do have a studio instrumental, and there is a live version of Pastoral out there, but they never did record it. And then they took that, that basic riff, and they made a couple of songs out of it. And you don't have to go as one of those songs. think that one is probably going to be where I would lean towards only because it's the closest I think now that they've made that song we're not ever going to get an official pastoral so this is as close as we're going to get and so I'm going to lean towards you don't have to go and uh, regulate it must be over to the Japanese import
the big debate, those two songs. I would have to say that You Don't Have to Go, it was a strong contender for a single. That that song is very radio friendly in my opinion and uh, would have would have would have done well on rock radio at the time. Everything that we've said would be a great lead single. I yeah, mean, I'm, te- I'm I'm telling you, you swap out the songs that we swapped out and you put those three in, it's a completely different album. I think it's more well-received. Peace Anyway goes back to the old, you know, the 96, 97 days. And then You Don't Have to Go, like he said, has elements of pastoral. Just off the out of the gate, you hook in some of the hardcore people that didn't want change. I think I think really what, what ultimately was the downfall uh, by your side was I think it, they they overthought it, you know, holding it back to put on diamond ring. Like that's, it's, you know, things like that. Like it's just, there was just too much. It, you know, th- there comes a time when you just got to put the record out there and go for it. And I really think because they felt there was so much riding on the record that they, they almost, they just overthought everything on it. A lot of the lyrics were written on the fly, right? To a degree. That's yeah. what I understood. Yeah. With the intention of being more simplistic. I mean, I remember reading a couple interviews of the time with, with Chris Robinson. He was saying he was taking a more simplistic approach to the lyrics, which is fine. But I don't know. It's just in a lot of cases, it didn't really, uh, didn't really gel with these songs. Or do you wonder, was he just in the mood to go back to being a rock star? There's that too. You know, I do have to say one, one era that comes up often when we talk about the Black Crows as a live band, this tour, which officially sort of kicked off late 98, 99, uh, is often cited as like the worst of their touring output in terms of the show presentation, uh, much more like what we're experiencing currently, where it's really focused on the song structures and the song proper and less jamming and not as much improvisation. It's, it's very um, in the box. But if you pull up and watch some of the early shows, there's a show from late 98 where, you know, yes, Chris is in the hat and he's, you know, wearing all the, the garb, but he he looks more like that high energy front man. That was a the you know the coming out of Shake Your Money Maker into Southern Harmony. Uh, we've talked about this a lot recently with the box set and stuff coming out, the Spring Break shows and those um, High as the Moon tour shows, and just how big and and energetic as a frontman he was. And at least what I can say is in '98, '99 when they were touring this record, he was more like that. And I thought it was fun. Uh, I thought Ollie Freed handled himself just fine up there on stage. And I thought the high energy frontman Chris, despite the hat and so forth, was a lot of fun to watch. It was a really good high energy rock show. And I really dug it. You know, you bring that up and that, that's a fair point too. Not only was the the change in sound and the change in direction a little jarring to people, but you get this album where the cover is all the guys in these like white pimp suits and you know what I mean? Like even like the visuals of it was, was very much a 180. And, uh, you know, on one hand, very bold move. On the other hand, a lot of potential to alienate some people that were, were on the, the three snakes kind of vibe, you know what I mean? And the further festival kind of vibe. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's sometimes what you got to do. Uh, you know, you can't, uh, you know, I, I think I think the biggest thing that we missed out on, and this is a hypothetical if you think about it, is what if they released a band and then toured that record? And then how much does that change what By Your Side might have been 
based on, first of all, it would have been delayed because they would have been on tour for 97, 98, playing the band songs. And then on top of that, does that change their idea of where they were going to go next? And do they pick some of these other tracks that uh, they left on the shelf to, to dig into because they do have more of that same vibe, that that band style vibe that they didn't use. Did they tour band with Sven and Audley? I mean, they wouldn't have a choice. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, the but personnel that, But changed. that would have been a way of introducing them to the band with a sound that was a little more what people were expecting at that time. Also, Are, that could have influenced them to include at least Peace Anyway, playing that with those guys. And then you got to think, to some degree, the lyrics to "You Don't Have to Go" were maybe been being worked out over pastoral. But then you you go back to what if you look at what they actually released on the Lost Crows. Peace Anyway is on there, so I think that the Peace Anyway that we're talking about that we would add to By Your Side, the B side version that was released, was a reworked version of the band song. So if band would have come out, Peace Anyway, I don't think is even in consideration for this record. That's true. That's true. Mm. And but then you look at some of these other songs. So the like band songs that they redid and used here were "If It Ever Stops the Raining," which became "By Your Side," "Only a Fool," which is actually reworked versions of a song they had called "Baby," which the parts of that song that they discarded became a Rich Robinson song of the same name, "Baby," mm-hmm. and then they they used the other parts to rearrange it into "Only a Fool." piece anyway that we talked about and then the last band song that was carried over and we didn't mention this song yet but it was released as a b-side in this era it was a song called smile prefer the version with the backup singers instead of rich singing the chorus. really see I'm, I'm, i go the other way on that one i thought it was i always like when rich jumps in on a vocal and i thought it was a little more intimate and in, in the vibe of the song with just rich singing it rather than the you know the uh the, the backing chorus kind of thing all right so now we've kind of put the new record together let's look at what our track listing would look like tell me if we would rearrange this at all uh per ian in his selection, it opens track one, Peace Anyway. We still have track two, which is kicking my heart around. So just stop kicking my heart around. Track three is By Your Side. By your side. Reworked, if it ever stops the raining from the band. 
Track four is one of the major bangers in this whole catalog uh, for the Black Crows, and it appears here in that whole Then we get track five, that's Only a Fool. We talked a little bit about that. Only a fool would let you go. Only a fool, and I should know. Then we have You Don't Have to Go. Cause you touch me to my soul. And baby, you don't have to go. Then we get to Welcome to the Good Times, which I think is a, a really unique track. Uh, in their catalog. Welcome to the good times, honey. Did you bring your own parade? Uh, then we get to our controversial one. You're going to find people like me and, and others that are going to tell you that we really dig this song and, and Huddy's going to rip it apart here in a second. But that is Go Tell the Congregation. When you want to lose your blues, go after that, we follow that up with Grows a Rose. And then we close the record out with the one-two punch of Then She Said My Name. Virtue and Vice. All really virtue and vice. Uh, those two songs actually used to be combined. They used to be one song. Uh, we'll talk more about that in our bonus section. Uh, but they split them off, made two different songs. Uh, then she said my name it, it would, would probably be on the potential list to, to work with. But Virtue and Vice is another one of those uh, catalog, uh, top shelf uh, bangers of a, of a Crow's song. So that would be our new track. Listening, fellas, what do you uh, think of that? See, now, the reason why I chose a piece anyway to start the album is because I thought it'd be interesting to have it start and end with Ed's piano. And I thought that was kind of a, a way to, to bookend the record. In addition to the song being, you know, a good opener, in my opinion, I just thought that was a, an interesting way of starting and finishing the record too. So that's, that was some of my logic behind that choice. The only thing I would do different is move. Then she said my name up to track three, simply because if you, if you have those three and then only a fool and by your side, it's a little more upbeat and, um, and positive and then after that you can get into a little more of the uh horse head and virtue and vice and and welcome to the good times which all three of those i think would have made one of the albums before it especially virtue and vice and Ho horse head horse head would probably fit in sound wise on a morica yeah you've said that before and i i definitely agree with you on that one um i think uh grows a rose is is really good behind horse head as well i think that there's a flow there that kind of would be kind of cool. They do kind of have that loose drumming sound. Yeah. I just, you know, overall, I think that would make a better running order of what we've come up with, you know. The things that we've the things that we've opted to drop, I don't think will be missed. You know what I mean? I think in, in all cases, in all three of our cases, the, the the tracks we picked are stronger than the ones that they're replacing, you know, by far. This album has potential to be really good. Same thing with lines. You just remove a couple of songs, pop in one or two B-side. It's a completely different album. Yeah. Ooh, is that foreshadowing a perhaps a future episode to uh, do the same thing with lines? Yes, sir. I've done that before. I have compilations on CDs here that I've done over the years. I, I thought I was the only nerd that did that stuff, you know? 
You know who is real big on that? And shout out to him. I haven't uh, mentioned him in a while, uh, but that's our friend uh, Steve Sumner from England. He has an alternate version of every album that he likes on a playlist somewhere. It's it's impressive. That's actually pretty cool. All right. So we talked a little bit about it, but let's just officially get it on paper. Uh, we mentioned a few songs that would be in the running for the first single. So this record's been put together. We've we've established the the track listing piece anyway, kicking my heart around. We're gonna move Then She Said My Name up to three. By your side, horsehead, grows a rose, only a fool, you don't have to go. Welcome to the good times. Go tell the congregation, and then virtue and vice. Marketing time. We gotta release a single. The first one that goes to the public is what? You don't have to go. Well, I think in this this structure, you could probably have five singles. I don't know if people even do that anymore, but back in the day, you could stretch you've, that out. You've got to release Kicking My Heart Around as a single. Yep. And we talked about Peace Anyway would make an excellent radio track. And those three songs, you don't have to go Kicking My Heart Around and Peace Anyway. They all have three very different presentations. So you're not. it's not the same song getting released, you know? Honestly, I, I think I think By Your Side was a very strong single, to be honest with you. I do too. But uh, I do think that uh, Grows a Rose would be a good single later in the running, you know, after those others have come out. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, I think that was a definite contender for a single. I can't argue with those releasing those. Two. I love Only a Fool. Love that song. I think I think Only a Fool is a, is a, is a great tune. Um, I kind of like the version that was on the band sessions a bit. Uh, more so again for the just for the vibe of it was a little different but was it, if i remember right it was the the music video was directed by weird al isn't that right i know he directed a, a black crows yeah i think it was only a fool and uh it was kind of an odd video but i mean it was directed by a guy named weird al so it might be a little odd jason's researching it for us right i am now. i'm looking which is jason you know you also mentioned uh in a text conversation we were having prior to the episode about a song called just standing yeah. that was in these sessions and it's it's funny i always like to point out how rich never wastes a riff because just standing was in these sessions i don't know what it sounded like in these sessions but he would later and in some of his solo shows perform it and then it would ultimately go on to become standing on the surface of the sun from his solo album, uh through a crooked sun and it's just he, he never wastes a riff they will always come back around in some in some form it's it's very prolific in terms of the riffs he comes up with yeah there's several songs in these sessions that he did that with too um yeah. there's a couple of uh, pretty good examples where he almost just takes chris's lyrics out and <laughs> puts his own on a song like throw it all away as an example if you hear that song and you've already heard uh rich robinson's record then you you would know that that was uh recycled and, and the rich song is called leave it alone whenever I mean, something like that happens and i know i've heard it first i have it in my head how it's going to go and then when i hear it on something else it sounds out of place to me yeah and like i said at the at the beginning this was such a prolific time for them early versions of songs that will come later show up in these sessions cosmic friend uh, as an example sounds entirely unlike the version that ends up on lions uh, oh yeah it's it's uh similar in title only i think you have the original idea for young man old man which was called a song called old man of the midnight sea you've got several different versions of songs that will later become rich songs as well as songs that will take just pieces like you'll be listening to a crow song and you'll hear like this little 
change in the pre-chorus going into the chorus. You're like, where have I heard that before? And and you'll find it in, in some of these songs. Uh, that's why the nerd in me keeps a spreadsheet, you know, so that I can I can keep track of, of where all that stuff was. And, you know, an old track that was never released from back in the day, like a song like Bewildered, going back to the early the Shake Your Moneymaker and uh, Southern Harmony sessions, that song got reworked into a song for these sessions called My Head Hurts which they never ended up using. Uh, that's one of those that just ended up getting scrapped. Um, Go Tell the Congregation started as a song called Nightingale Song. Uh, so to your point, Ian, where Rich isn't keen on on wasting a riff, you can see where they try like very different ways. There are uh, several songs in the, in the catalog that literally use the same exact verse riff. And he's just looking for where does it fit the best. And, uh, and it makes for fun little Easter eggs. It's, it's, it, it does. I mean, even on even on the the Bio Side tour, they were writing some material that that would. There was a song called "Bled to Death" that would um, go on to become a Hookah Brown song called "Cut the World," which was one of the two songs when Hookah Brown was first around. They released digitally through the internet as as like a teaser for the album that never was. But you know, it's just so interesting to see where these things end up. Yeah, and Heavy started out as a song called "Every Little Bit," which is better than Heavy. lyrically i'm saying so yeah if you're on patreon uh pop over there we'll put a put a version up of this kind of section where we're talking about these sort of lost tracks and uh give you a little more information on on what those are and where they came from and and where you can find the official versions because thanks to the fabulous people at crow's base and my nerd obsession of creating a spreadsheet everywhere I've, I've got it all mapped out so join us on patreon and and we will uh we'll have some fun with that join us on patreon or as we're now calling it the nerdery yes <laughs> nerd central over there no offense to everyone who's over there who will all also admit they're nerds so it's fine uh we all are that's what brings us together all right fellas We've revamped by your side. We have the 25th anniversary re-release. That's not a real thing. We're just making that up. Our pretend version of that uh, that we would put out. I think it came together nicely, and I think this is going to get a lot more uh, positive acclaim than than uh, the original release. Yes, I, yeah, would agree. I encourage people to go make their own playlist with this, and then listen to it. Give your honest, objective assessment. Yes, and to coincide with uh, the release of this episode, by the way, I have. Got my hands on three more copies of the unofficial By Your Side vinyl that I'll be sharing with some people, as well as some other things of the era, some CD copies of that, some rarities. Do you you have a hat? I have a white hat with not one, but two feathers in it. And uh, that's going to be the you know the grand poobah prize. I didn't want to bring it up, Jason, but now that you're mentioning it, you know, I know we talked about it privately. Yeah. So that's gonna be a big, big deal. I'm gonna go have to go buy a pimp hat now, aren't I? Now that I've committed to this, <laughs> well, this is a lot of fun, guys, and I hope uh, everybody out there enjoyed listening to it. So uh, I don't know. I, I hadn't really mapped this out beforehand. What are we going to do, play out wise? Let's play each song that we suggested. That we picked. Yeah. That's All right. Fair. So our our original substitutes that we went for, we're going to throw on there. So I was peace anyway, David. There grows a rose. Jason, you don't have to go. All right. So let's uh, let's do a a massive play out here with three tracks. And uh, we appreciate everybody joining us. And uh, if you want to throw in your opinion on whether we were right or wrong on this and what your thoughts were, please do feel free to post that on any of our social media platforms. We'll be happy to hear from you. 
And uh, so we're going to do our playout. But before we do that, Jason, take us out of here. Stay tall, everyone.